We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What up, listener? We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five-star review on iTunes, a follow on Spotify, or the appropriate dap for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at BlueWirePods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Veterans Minimum. I'm your host, Nick Dayes, as I'm struggling to get comfortable here in my seat. I don't know why. I haven't podcasted in a while, and that's why. Really? Yeah. Oh, everything everything that went out this week, this past week, has been pre-recorded. I mean, the Kobe stuff, which I guess we'll get into right now. First of all, I'm sorry. Alan, welcome back. Hey, it's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. Um... Yeah, like I, I, I recorded the emergency podcast for Kobe. I had uh, Dylan, our buddy Dylan, called in. And then um, Dilly, shout out to Dilly, man. Uh, he's been a fan of the show for a while. I got to know him through the Twitch streams and whatnot. And, you know, he's born and raised a Laker fan. He lived out there. So I just want to get a different perspective of someone that grew up with Kobe literally in his town. You know what I'm saying? So... 
it was cool nice perspective definitely check that out and also the podcast and chill with with our girl minty bets from wager talk is up there really cool talking about vegas and whatnot but i've already said all my thoughts on what colby meant to me the colby situation alan i want to give you that luxury to you know let's talk about that whole situation bro like that was when a player retires you kind of obviously you celebrate them you adore them you give them all the praise they deserve so but then you see most of them they go into media or whether it's you know the kind of analysts on the network or they come up podcast hosts they usually stay in the spotlight kobe's kind of been out of the spotlight for a bit i know he won an academy award for the best short film i know he's been getting into different businesses but you don't really see him doing many interviews until recently he started i think he went on like quinn richardson and Darius smiles podcast which i kind of dug but what really got me like the scene what Kobe's doing is he went on the All Smoke, which is like my new favorite show. I've been watching it almost every episode now. Matt Barnes, Stephen Jackson, shout out to them. They're doing phenomenal work over at uh, Showtime. So I, there was like this 40-minute interview of Kobe. It just came out recently. And he, it was just interesting to hear what he, his plans were because he's been so out of basketball. But just seeing the relationship with his daughter, how his daughter pretty much gone back to the NBA because he hasn't been to the Staples Center since his jersey I hung up. So just seeing all these ideas and just seeing Kobe in a real positive space. Because we remember Kobe as this really aggressive, super competitive guy. And yes, he's had his drama. I'm not talking about you know what happened off the court. But I'm talking about you know, there were times where people thought he was going to stay in LA. He was going to demand trades. He was known as selfish. There were a lot. He was really stigmatized, Kobe. He was really criticized. But one thing you can never doubt Kobe on was his competitiveness. This guy was a serial winner. They don't make many people like him anymore. I'm talking about athletes. So that's why I always admired about Kobe. Even though growing up, I hated the Lakers. I wanted the Kings to win all the time. So, <laughs> Tim Donnie, you ruined my childhood. You ruined a lot of people's pockets yeah, as well. Yeah, the, the, which is far worse. Uh, but then I started appreciating Kobe once I was teamed with uh, Artes, Gasol, Bynum. Like that, those Lakers-Celtics series were really fun to watch. And then you know, just seeing how we went out in terms of retirement. So even though I can't say as a, as a kid, like I wasn't like enamored with the Lakers. I always wanted them to lose. But of course, you had the respect. But just you know his legacy and how much, just not just basketball, but especially all across the world. Like you see his culture, especially in Europe, a lot of soccer teams, whether it's Milan or PSG or Barcelona, giving the praises. This guy was a global icon, and just the way you know what, what happened on Sunday, just it's devastating. And you know for his daughter as well, someone has such a bright future, and just seeing that relationship. Everyone posts that video of them two by courtside. Mm-hmm. You know him, I guess, giving him her instructions on what's going on in the game. It's such a sweet moment now for it to be gone like that, especially someone that had so much ready to go. Everyone's talking about, oh, he's going to do some great stuff post, you know, post playing. And just now, yeah, it was really hard to digest someone that's such an icon. Like, I can't remember last time I was just shaken up by a death. Probably maybe Anthony Bourdain, but obviously Kobe, his influence. Never forgotten. And I hope whether it's the All Star game or NBA, maybe they, maybe we do see hit, uh, the icon become it. I think it would be great. Cause it's going to come, oh, you're talking about the logo. Yeah. When it talks about influence, other than MJ, like who's really up there? Well, I mean, I've been super adamant about how in our generation, we're what, two years apart age wise? Yeah. Whatever. We're in the same generation. We went to high school together right. pretty much. <laughs> Kobe's in the Mount Rushmore of athletes that meant something. And feel free to chime in and tell me what for you would put. But for me, it's it's Brady, it's Jeter, it's LeBron and Kobe. Oh, it's all around sports, yeah. All around sports, what they meant to this generation, the 2000s to now, you can't write the history books on this new millennium, I think, without those four guys. I think you're spot on. 
I thought you were gonna go basketball. I'm like trying to think basketball. No, no, yeah. I'm saying like uh, across all sports, you know. And sure, you can maybe throw in Messi, Ronaldo, but then that opens up yeah. a different can of worms of international. But I mean, consistent greatness. Guys have won several championships. You just always see them at the pinnacle of the sport. Like if they do something, it's gonna be reported on, and they just have legions of fans regardless. Yeah, and they're pretty much polarizing figures. All four of them, even Derek Jeter, someone that's respected him, he definitely has his critics. And we know LeBron, Kobe, and Brady have their critics. But yeah, it's, I would say those four. It's a good choice. He, my favorite thing about Kobe, and I don't know if I mentioned this on the the emergency pod because you know I was I recorded that about four hours after it happened, so I was still gathering information. He was the first big name athlete of that stature to embrace soccer, which is forever my first love. And also, he really embraced women's sports, right? He would say in in a recent interview, not too long ago, someone asked him if a woman could play in the WNBA, and he was like, yeah. And, like, he presented a really strong case in an argument. And, you know, girl dad was starting to trend. Uh, The chick from ESPN gave a really cool, like, open story about her relationship with Kobe the one time interaction. A lot of great stories. Shea Serrano posted great from The Ringer, posted great article I recommend reading. That's another one. Do you find it crazy that you know I like never met Kobe, wasn't a Laker fan. He wasn't even like a guy that I was super like I used to be very critical of Kobe. I wasn't I get a, that. Yeah. Look, I respect greatness, yep, right? And to. I loved watching him play. Yeah, Don't get have. me wrong. But he was never a guy that, like, you know, for me, it's always been LeBron, yeah, you know? Same here. But his impact has been so crazy, man. I think it's because he was supposed to be... Dude, you see in the NBA, unlike all other sports, they really embrace their past, right? Shaq and Barkley. I know they're, like, somewhat recent, but those guys are on TNT. You probably have the best sports show on a weekly basis, yeah. right? The halftime show and all that stuff they do in TNT. Bill Russell still gives out the MVP in the NBA Finals, or he's courtside and people show him respect. Like, there's something about the NBA that's completely unique from all the other sports where they really embrace the old heads. Yeah. And sure, do they talk crazy sometimes? Like, yeah, Giannis couldn't play in the 80s. It's like, dude, John Stockton was They're 140 pounds. Stubborn, and, yeah. and I get <laughs> I get he's a Hall of Famer, but, like, that white guy ain't stopping fucking Giannis. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's, this, uh, the NFL's kind of similar in a way. Just in terms of athletes, guys are just going to be hard at it. It's going to be about all and hold on generation. to their yeah. generation, right? Yeah, I, I hear you. But with Kobe, he was starting to get back into the limelight and sitting courtside. You know, a story came out about how two of the three games he went to this year featured the Atlanta Hawks because his daughter, rest in peace to Gigi, she was a big Trey Young fan. Yeah. So that's why he was at a random Nets Hawks game. Like, yeah. what the hell is Kobe doing over there? <laughs> it was like Trey Young and uh, Doncic were yeah. two favorite players. There was a cool clip where Luca's about to inbound a ball and someone's talking Slovenian to him. Oh. And he's like, what the hell? And he turns around, he's like, it's Kobe. Like, you know, Kobe knew like four different languages oh, yeah. and shit too. So, uh, yeah, man, it's it's really sad. It's you know? heavy. Yeah. 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 I, I think it's the most impactful sports death of our lifetime. Yeah, what else is there? Because people are talking about basketball does. I think, ironically, the last one was the late great Drazan Petrovic. Mm-hmm. You know, Croatia's finest. They were comparing to him because he died, I think, in the hel- uh, airplane, I believe. This is like before I was even born. It was like in the 90s. Yeah, yeah the like, number the number three jersey yeah. right, for the Nets. So that was the last like tragic basketball that during 
uh, you know, although Kobe was obviously retired, but still someone was in his peak, like someone that was still much in the limelight. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah it's just it's really unfortunate because especially him, Kobe, he could have just given so much back to the sport just with his mind because he is such a fascinating person, whether it's interviews or just someone that's so knowledgeable game because you can't teach competitors and just his work ethic. I think that's not thing people have to keep in mind like players have stories oh this guy be in gym 4 a.m shooting jumpers he would talk about like oh well, he was an nba at 18 he couldn't drink so you just go to the gym or you just watch film while guys would be out partying you know guys like nick van exel and eddie jones my my favorite video that went out was i believe he's maybe 21 22 years old and he's talking at like the rookie symposium he's kind of like addressing all the rookies and whatnot and he's talking about like hey man look i know you guys are probably gonna laugh at this but you know, life is all about finding a nice woman, you know, starting a family. You know, that's what makes me happy, man. Trying to try to save your money. Don't go out to the clubs and whatnot. And then he turns in typical Kobe fashion. He's like, you know, some of y'all might think I'm soft, but I will check that ass on the court. Like, don't think I'm soft, man. Oh, he, oh no, he goes after people. Yeah. Like, he was talking to him with Matt Barnes back in the, remember, uh, it was Orlando yeah, Lakers the, game, the uh, ball chain, and then. There was games like Barnes got tipped dunk it like Kobe would elbow him in his stomach. Like Kobe would throw elbows. He gets he knows how to play mind games, which is why he's a serial winner. I feel like if you if you're really gonna be a serial winner, you do have to play those mind games at times. So yeah, I like I like I said, never owned the jersey, hated the Lakers growing up, but he's like you have to appreciate greatness. And a guy like him, especially someone that was making a real impact off the court, someone that was a family man, you just have to admire him. So Huge loss, and you know, I hope the All Star Game they honor him. I just hope whoever going forward this year they just continue to honor him, and you know it's gonna be cool now. I think the Lakers are gonna be kind of a sentimental favorite now. I think everyone's gonna get behind them, so we'll see what LeBron could do. Oh yeah, he's definitely he's gonna turn up, man. That's for sure. All right, roll call. I'm gonna do this right now because we got a really packed out episode. Patreon members: Daniel Gibson, Derek Pleiades. Corey Johnson Hoops, Bo Clore, Ryan Pisner, Christopher Velasquez. You guys are all on the franchise tag. I give you guys a two suite. If you're watching this video on YouTube, youtube.com slash Veterans Minimum. Getting really good at these. I, I've mastered the cheap plug, Alan. You know what I'm saying? Nick Shout Chavez. Mick Foley. Nick Chavez. Chuck Page. Bradley Preller. Thank you all for your contributions in the Supermax for the month of January. And I want to give a shout out to uh, my guy, Manir17. He said that he took um, an unfortunate, uh, there was a, a death close to him earlier this month. It's been a rough month for him. And, uh, you know, between Kobe news and all that. And then he lost a friend earlier this month. So just uh, showing some love his way too. Shout out to my guy, Manir. Um, all right, cool. Alan, we have an absolutely packed out show, man. Super Bowl. Super Bowl, the big game. Are you not allowed to say Super Bowl? Wait, why we can't say Super Bowl? So you, apparently, radio ads you have to say the big game. Have you ever noticed that? It's because like what is this like Christmas and Happy Holidays? <laughs> <laughs> what the, like we're just taking away the the true essence. It's called the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. man, I am devastated that I'm not in Miami this week. And oh. I know, I know, all of you guys that know me, Lamb loves the 305 for many reasons, but this week in particular, man. We should be down there right now. It's jam packed. There's stuff going everywhere. You got you got Hori Mazel and Kamar Usman ready to throw blows. <laughs> Yo, Kamar Usman has a cast. Mazel's like, I'm not hitting someone with a cast. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I still feel like there hasn't been made because both these teams are just so likable. There hasn't been much like heat between them. It hasn't been too many storylines. I just think 
both these teams are so likable and it's gonna be a great game. There isn't much to sell. But I just remember in past years, I don't know, I think there was more of a build up. There hasn't been much build up. Maybe because the Kobe news has just taken over everything. Yeah, but man. I just feel like there has not been much buzz for a Super Bowl, which is a little Yeah, because did they even do Media Day? They did. But it was like on Monday. Yeah, I think I think the Kobe news. Just, yeah, yeah, it really trumped everything. Right. If you think about it. Yeah, that's true, man. You even, you know, going back to the Kobe stuff a little bit, you hear some of the impact that he had on guys that weren't even basketball players. Oh, Pat Mahomes says he still watches. Yeah. He's supposed to get hyped up. Uh, yeah. So, all right, let's jump into this uh, top five segment. We're going to talk about our favorite oh, man. Super Bowl moments. And I think Allen is going to get – Allen might not make it through this show, guys. Super Bowl 51 never happened. S- Super Bowl moments, top five. Uh, do you want to – Take the baton. I want to give a few honorable mentions because this was really hard to do. I, I I made like a list. What did you base yours off of? Is it Super Bowls that you were able to comprehend and understand, or was it just like all time moments? Oh uh, no, I started from when I first started watching sport, which was Falcons Broncos. Okay, and I went onwards to that. I just felt like that was better. I wanted the live experience. I think is really key. So I based on that and just the overall moment and just the magnitude of certain plays or just how creative or, or how insane it was. So. Uh, the few honorable mentions, I want to mention Adam Vinatieri's game-winning field goal against the Rams. From a betting perspective, Lamb, you'll appreciate this. The Rams were fair by 14, and that was obviously Brady's rookie year, and Rams were known as a terrifying team, Gray Shaw and Turf. And just that moment, seeing the Patriots do it, because I remember watching that year, I was like, oh, because I was just getting to Spurs. Like, I was thinking, oh, Drew Bledsoe was a decent quarterback, and then the sixth-round pick named Tom Brady just comes out of nowhere, and just seeing them beat the Rams because growing up, I just thought the Rams were the most terrifying team. That offense, great show on turf, and to see them go down and they never recovered after that. You know who my favorite wide receiver of all time is? Torrey Holt. Torrey Holt, baby. Gotta love Torrey Holt. Gotta love Torrey Holt. Yeah. And also that Super Bowl. What's funny is the New England Patriots are a part of two of the biggest upsets in Super Bowl history. If you look at the Vegas point total, it's Super Bowl forty-two. Mm-hmm. Wow, I can't believe I almost forgot. Yeah, that. I don't know. That's how. very that's uh, that's embarrassing. <laughs> Guys, I haven't drank it. Yeah. And then uh the Super Bowl 36, which was that one. Wow. Cuz uh my dad actually went to that Super Bowl. Man. Yeah. It was in the Superdome, brother. Goal Superdome. Yeah. A few more I want to mention just uh Dwight Smith, which totally be forgotten about. This is when the Bucks played the Raiders. I loved everything about that Bucks team. That defense you have Hall of Famers at every level. And just seeing John Gruden get one on the Raiders was just, that was something fun to watch. And that was just one of those cool ones. Because I really, I grew up, I really appreciate elite defenses. And that defense, you know, Warren Sepp, Simeon Rice, Derek Brooks, John Lynch, Rondé Barber, you name it. So They also had a guy that was a safety that won MVP. Dexter Jackson. Dexter Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. And he went to Arizona, got paid, never heard from him again. But yeah, <laughs> really fell off the map. Yeah. You know. good, good for him, though. Yeah. Got his money. And last one I'll mention, Larry Fitzgerald's 64-yard touchdown against the Steelers. I think the Steelers' Cardinals Super Bowl gets severely slept on. That was one of the more back-and-forth entertains. I love that Cardinals team as well. So that Super Bowl, seeing Larry Fitz in the big moment just streaking down the field, uh, that just missed out for me. But that was another one I want to include. But, yeah, those are just a few honorable mentions. But to start off, number five for me, Percy Harvin's kickoff against the Broncos in MetLife. It's just Percy barely played that season. I think he missed. I think he came back in the playoffs. And that week, actually, he got into a fight with Golden Tate in the locker room. If you uh, listen to his interview on Bleach Report, uh, they do a show. Uh, I always butcher his name. I think it's Master Telfson. I'm definitely butcher his name, but he has a great show. He does. He got he interviews retired players. And he interviewed Percy Harvin. Percy Harvin talks about how him and Golden Tate got into a fight on Super Bowl week. And people didn't know what Percy's mindset was. And for him to 
at the moment, even though they're already up pretty big, <laughs> just to see him starting the second half. Because I remember be out all my buddies and be like, oh, Payne's going to come back. And then it's just a kickoff and Percy Harvin takes to the house. And I've always been a huge Percy Harvin guy. And I thought that was a really cool moment because when you see kickoff returns, really happen in the Super Bowl. Yo, you know what I once said about Percy Harvin? Greatest offensive weapon in football. If he was healthy, man, if he didn't have all his concussions and other healthy, he was, as in terms of just a weapon, he was scary. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were saying sarcastically. No, I was, smirk. Be- oh. I was being like super dead oh, ass. No, I, dude, his rookie year was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Yo, they could use him in end arounds, okay. handoffs, line them up in tailback, uh, as a fullback. He's a big receiver. reason why Brett Favre had that revival year in Minnesota. He was, everyone talks about Simeon Rice, uh, Simeon Rice, Sidney Rice, and Adrian Peterson. No, like, Percy Harvin was the man. Yo. So I feel like he gets slept on. People like to mention Reggie Bush. I'm like, no, watch Percy Harvin. Dude, early, early Twitter game. I'm talking about like 300 followers, me. He followed me. Oh, wow. I tweeted like a verse from like a rap song, which I guess as I looked into it was a Bible verse. And then, I don't know, he just, yeah. just followed me for like, for like a month and a half. It was dope. <laughs> Unfortunately, that Seattle trade did not work out for him. But in that moment, I thought it was a really cool Well, he got a Super Bowl. Yeah, it didn't work out for them. Nice, but yeah. All right, look, I'm going to be a little biased, <clears throat> and I'm also going to flex a little bit. But a lot of my Super Bowls are ones that I've seen. Well, oh, okay, I thought we were going to go hometown pick. I'm like, well, no, we're de- I, thought, we're, I thought we were going to go later for that. We're, we're definitely getting to the hometown. I was like, damn, I was like, you put him at number five? What's right. Right? No, number five for me was uh, the first Super Bowl um, that I got to go to, and that was um, Raiders-Bucks, oh, okay. San Diego. So um, you remember that Dwight Smith moment, right? Yeah, I remember okay. that. I remember that because we got to remember the the Raiders team was they had Jerry Rice, Jerry Rice, Tim Brown. They had Rich Gannon was course, an MVP, yeah. and they were lighting shit up. They were, and it was in San Diego, Qual- Qualcomm, Qualcomm Stadium, something like that. I went. It was the longest day of my life, I think, because we took a. Sun Saturday late flight got into San Diego around like eleven, Oof. and then like went to the game and then left to be back home Monday. Right. But yeah, that was like the first like. Was there a particular moment or? Nah, just that whole experience. Okay. That whole experience was dope because you know my my dad had went to the Super Bowl the year before, which was the oh no yeah the year before was Patriots Patriots and and Rams okay. greatest show on turf and. What was crazy about that was that it was the first time that I got to experience the Super Bowl vibe. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I've been to, I'd gone to a handful of football games at that point. And you were a Raider fans. Yeah, a lot of Raider and fans. Not too far for them. Yeah, yeah, it was 70 30. Mm-hmm. I remember people asking me a lot of times, and I'll be saying this often, a lot of times when I'm going to the game and as I'm walking there, people are offering to buy your tickets. You know, $120 million has been confiscated in uh, counterfeit products Man. this week during the Super Bowl. Crazy, right? People got to make a profit. They do. They do. Yeah. All right. Uh, give us one of yours. Antoine Randall, the reverse, touched on the Heinz Ward. Wow. In Detroit, Seahawks, Steelers. It was 14 to 10, fourth quarter. And this was when, this is at a time where you didn't see a lot of trick plays. It was offensive were kind of, I want to say generic, but they didn't take as many chances as they do now. And just seeing that moment, Antoine Randall, who, was a quarterback in college, make that throw Heinz Ward, totally 
spade seattle it was just a perfect design and couldn't have been executed better just a really cool moment at a time when you know i was learning the sport and pittsburgh this run heavy team jerome bettis was still there willie parker had a big run i remember that game and just seeing them take a shot in the fourth quarter while having a lead i thought it was just a really cool moment and essentially won them the game yeah the willie parker run i do remember that remember jeremy stevens Oh, the tight end. I was thinking of the fighter, but I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. that's why I wanted to make sure because you're an MMA yeah. guy, and I wanted to make sure I mentioned that. But yeah, he was going at it with like Joey Porter, kind of oh, just my God. Joey Porter always starts yeah. them, man. Those Steeler defenses. All right, um, this this is probably where the show is going to end, guys. But uh, Falcon Super Bowl. Oh God, the fact that it went to overtime and I called that. You know, we're gonna play our prop game in a little bit, but I said like, yo, it was like nine to one. For the Super Bowl to go to overtime. Never happened before. Also, got to remember, that was the year where there was like 11 overtimes. Because I believe Cowboys, Packers, that went to overtime. But, but I'm just talking oh. about that whole regular season. There, there, was, was, like, there was like three ties. Okay. I remember there was like a, a Panthers-Bengals game that went into overtime or some yeah, shit. Yeah, game in a tie. Yeah, yeah, I remember yeah, that. yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Like, oh. like two or three games ended in a tie. And I was so like... That was just your gut feeling? Just- yeah, I'm very... I'm very Dumb with some of my breakdowns sometimes where I like to use um, factors that might not mean anything. Yeah, because like, I don't know what that know, like. No, what I'm saying is, you know, it was like it was very fitting for that to be the year where it goes into overtime because that whole season there was a lot of overtime games, even though one doesn't really relate to the yeah, other. Yeah, I guess. I you know? know, that Super Bowl day exists, though. Yeah, yeah. All right, give us another one. Devin Hester's opening return against the Colts. Forgettable Super Bowl, legendary moment in Miami. Oh yeah, I was there for that too. Just the opening of that, because I think everyone knew the Colts were going to win that game, but just to see Devin Hester in that moment and the return was impressive itself. He missed, he made multiple people miss, and I think he just turned the field and it was just once you saw him accelerate, it was a wrap. And just that was the year Devin Hester really put himself on the map. And I just thought it was just a cool moment. You, you don't see kickoff returns like that much anymore. So I have to just, I remember that moment. It's like opening kickoff. You're just like. All right, Rex Scopeson's going to get the ball. Colts are probably going to get the lead. It's going to be a wrap. Oh, wow, the Bears actually got the lead, and Devin Hester's doing it. So It was a very sloppy game, too. Dominic Rhodes had a big – no, or was it Joe – yeah, it was Dominic Rhodes. That was Pierre Garçon's rookie year. Oh, no, wait, no. I was a – was it? That was Joseph Adai. Oh, Joseph Adai, okay. Joseph Adai, P, um, uh, Reggie Garçon Wayne was, was still, like, yeah. Hall I think of Garçon Fame. was the Saints Super Bowl, I'm thinking of, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I thought it was just I, – I knew the Super Bowl was going to be pretty lopsided, but it was cool to see Hester do his thing. I think Hester's one of the most – you know, electrifying players that ever played a game. Dude, you want to talk about electricity, man. I was sitting with a bunch of Bears fans. I was wearing my Colts jersey. and But really cool, though. There was no hostility. That's a like, cool fan base. Yeah, I, like to I had more a, Bear fans. But they were, like, giving me shit. I was like, hey, man, I'm a Giants fan. Like, don't don't go crazy. But I was wearing my Peyton Manning jersey. That's but, a fan base that's suffered for quite a bit. Yeah. All right. For me, uh, moment number three. Um, saving the best? No, no, I'm saving the the last oh. two are going to be about the Giants. Okay. Spoiler, yeah. <laughs> but no, this one I'm was, on it. you mentioned Larry Fitzgerald in honorable mention. I was at that Super Bowl too, mm-hmm. and I was sitting at the 20 yard line, directly in front of where a lot of people might not know this, but when James Harrison returned the interception, the craziest things, dude. He got pulled off to the side and was given CPR and shit. Not CPR, but like the defibrillator. Like he was out of gas. Yeah. And he was on the side like, you know like that white area 
where you know the out of bounds yeah. it's like that really thick white paint and then it's that's where the coaches stand mm-hmm. like opposite of it dude he was maybe two three feet off that and it happened right in front of me it was like 98 yards could be even more. I think it was 102. I think it was in <laughs> It was in the end zone. I just yeah. remember rumbling that because even though he's like an edge rusher, he's one of the bigger edge rushers. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's not some like 240-pound guy. This guy's massive. And then the Santonio Holmes catch happened in the far pylon for me. Such a good So story. we couldn't – we didn't know if that was a touchdown. You know, we couldn't see. We had to look up at the big screen there. And also it was Raymond James Stadium. I love – that's one of my favorite buildings I ever went to just because – Yo, the Buccaneer pirate ship is so gangster. <laughs> it's so cool, man. And they've had such a shitty I know. I hope Bruce, for so Bruce long. has to do something over there, man. Oh, yeah. But that was that was really fun. Tampa Bay was dope. I was a senior in high school for that one. So nice. that was really, really cool. Cool. Number two, got to go Philly special. Oh. It was fourth down. Doug Pearson's been gambling all year. Everyone knows Doug Pearson's a guy that... Is as fearless as it gets, and just that play call, design, the execution. Wellski say Belichick out tomorrow at the worst possible time. I think it was 15 12 before I think Patriots had a lead, and they just did it right before halftime. Just such a momentum shifter, and just the balls to make that play call was just unbelievable. And I think that kind of set the set the I guess standard or bar, however you want to phrase it, just for a offensive coordinators going forward because I remember the following year Atlanta did it when Sarkeesian his last game as offensive coordinator did it and Sanu hit Ryan on a touchdown and you just see now more and more teams use that play design you know double reverse and all of a sudden you see a quarterback they tried doing it to Brady didn't quite mm-hmm. work out or uh, I think the Packers Vikings games we saw Monday night Kirk, Stephon Diggs just missed Kirk Cousins you see a lot of teams now using that play design so I think that was kind of just the start of something and you have to give a uh, huge appreciation to Doug Peterson and all of that coaching staff. So, yeah, even though it was like a one-yard touchdown, I still think at that moment in it for a really fun Super Bowl, it's got to be up there for me. Yeah, yeah, that was – I mean, now it's become anytime there's a double reverse and a throw to the quarterback, it's a Philly special, yeah. right? The Bills ran that against the Texans, and it was a Philly special. Yeah. So that's just something that's always going to be synonymous with that play. All right, number two for me, and this is going to sound crazy, but it's Super Bowl forty-two. The undefeated one. Because I was 16. I started to fall in love with football, but I wasn't there yet. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, this was 07 going into 08. Because remember, it was it was February 08 was when the Super Bowl was played. But it's the 2007 yeah. Super Bowl champs, the New York Giants. But, man, the, the Burris touchdown happened in the far end zone for me. So, like, we couldn't see that, but the escape happened right in front. I was sitting in the end zone. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I just remember. Oh, when Randy Moss did his. Oh. <laughs> that happened right in front of me. So, it was like blankets, bedtime. Oh, my God. Randy. But, best. yeah, that was just that was just really cool. I saw people crying, and I didn't really understand it, which will lead into my next one. I think I'm just going to double up on this one and let okay. you give your. You would have to give two, right? Or, no, you no. would have to give one, one hey, more, right? Spoiler. It's a Tyreek catch. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I feel like. For us, like if that's not up there in your top three, I don't know how you watch the sport. Like for me, that David Tyree catch, I don't care what fan you are, that is just one of the most greatest things I've ever seen in my life. Isn't that crazy how quick they blow the whistle now? 
that that play even happened. I say this all the time. Especially now. Like, we saw Deshaun Watson this year against the Colts. Watson, there was a Carson Wentz play that was reviewed for if his knee went down. Yeah, Baker Mayfield against the Titans, I remember. There's just a bunch of them where they're so quick to blow a play dead, which a lot of times, granted, Eli Manning. Oh, it was Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, the Monday Night Football game. Remember uh, they called him dead, and then, of course, he did. That actually helped me win a fantasy football matchup. Salute. <laughs> Niners D. But, dude, th- think about that. Just think about that. They don't let these guys make plays anymore like they used to. And look, Eli Manning isn't really Russell Wilson. He was never a guy that was agile or mobile at all. You're being friendly, but yes. So, yeah, I mean, he was a corpse. <laughs> yeah. I called him the corpse of Eli Manning for the last yeah. four or five years. Even but 2008. But for him to make that play was just so absurd. And especially when you look at how football is played now, it's just so ridiculous. To a special team. That's another thing people got to take it. Yeah, he threw it to David Tyree. Like David Tyree's a special teamer. Like this isn't Plasco Burris or Steve Smith, you know, giant Steve Smith, uh, just to clarify, or Mario Manning, whoever it may be. This is a special teamer over a legendary safety, Ronnie Harrison. And he uses helmet to catch the pass. And it was just, you want to talk about YOLO balls, like one of those classic Eli Man YOLO balls? This is a classic Eli Man YOLO ball just at that time. And it set the stage for what was one of the greatest upsets in sports history. So that's why that's my the number one, just the whole dichotomy of it. David Tyree was that generation's Matthew Slayton. Oh, okay. So, no, Slayer? Slater? Slater. Yeah, I was say, wait. S- Slayton. I'm thinking yeah. about Darius Slayton. Yeah. Love that guy. But he was a bona fide special teamer. And reports came out that they ran... People forget David Tyree scored a touchdown in that Super Bowl too. Oh, he did wow! They did the uh, they did a fake and then they hit him on a pass. I remember Asante Steve Smith Sandler. had a really good game, dude. Steve Smith made a third down catch on that drive on like a third and six, uh-huh. catches a ball and then just like backpedals for eight yards yeah. and picks up a first down. I feel like you do a forty five minute podcast of the Super Bowl. <laughs> Yo, Steve Smith was my favorite giant, and then he went to the Eagles. I was like, fuck this guy. Oh, that's back in the day where you're just like, all right, yeah. It's like, man. I don't care about you need to get your money. You just left my team for yeah. a while. Yeah. Now it's like, oh, go get your money. Yeah, go do now, that. Yeah. 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 But Ooh, back in the day with your kids, it's just like, oh. Like, it's it's maturing, yeah, bro. It's understanding yeah. that it's, like, it's bigger than you and the team you were for. Okay. This is my favorite moment. The Manningham. Manningham. Ah, take two. The Manningham pass from Eli Manning. And then the video circulates a couple days later, you know, NFL Showtime. They're doing the mic'd up stuff, and it's Belichick telling the the defense. And he goes, this is still a Cruz and Knicks game. Make him go to Manningham. Make him go to the tight ends. Suck my ass. First of all, that play, I'm sitting in the stands. Mind you, I was so drunk for this Super Bowl where I was concerned that I was going to make it like through the game. That's rough. So I was so hammered. And that Super Bowl, Madonna was performing. My mom loves Madonna. Madonna's doing the halftime show. All I can hear all week long is how the Patriots love to defer the coin toss and then score within the last two minutes of the half, get the lead, and then they get the ball at halftime. And they, you know, before you know it, it's like a 16 point swing, mm-hmm. if you really think about it. What happens? Giants dominate that whole first quarter. And first. 20 I feel like they controlled majority of that four game. Four and a half minutes yeah. of that first half. Yeah. And then before you know it, they have the lead. It's it's 10-9 going into halftime. I'm devastated. I I have to stop drinking now because I have to drive home. We left right after that game in the car, my parents and I, and we drove to New York. 12 hour 12 hour trip. 
I just turned to my mom. Yo, like I was Jake the Snake Roberts cutting a promo. I'm like, I'm not going home. If they lose this game, I'm not going home. I was like, I'm staying here. And just just turned and started looking at the field with Madonna's performing. Uh-huh. And my mom is like, oh, you got to do the Vogue. You got whatever the Vogue dance is. I was like, Ma, you have no idea. Like, I, I, might, I might just go off this rail. I'm just so. And then, dude, I'm staring directly at Wes Walker on his the the pass that he drops the infamous Giselle my husband can throw and catch that was a terrible Brazilian yeah accent. not to mention I thought Brady not the most uh, accurate throw all right yeah. this is this is the quarterback in me you gotta catch that ball to me I think Brady could throw a better ball sure but yeah. it's not it works both ways he didn't but throw Brady a back more shoulder criticism. to the ankle though mm-hmm. like it was all right you have to turn him not a little it's just bit some walkers just couldn't be more wide open yeah, yeah. no you're right yeah. uh, the the fact that you made it that difficult i feel you but it should have been caught yeah. another thing i can't believe because i used to roast him i think he's still one of the worst linebackers i watched the fact that chase blackburn got interception in that game still blows on my grok mind. on <laughs> grok. grok was injured chase baby gotta love it absolutely gotta <laughs> this love guy's it. running down film like this guy is, could be one of the worst athletes i've ever seen as a linebacker no way could have played this day's you know the way linebackers are. He would not fit in today's NFL. Oh, no chance in hell. You know, but Chase Blackburn had his moment. But yeah, that Manningham play. Oh my god, you want to talk about throwing a player open? Like you could his that ball placement throw. You couldn't place the ball any better. Honestly, how many times do you think they could complete that play? Out of a hundred, ninety-eight. Yeah, that's <laughs> a high percentage throw, man. That was that I I really think. Wait, wait, talking about Walker or Manningham? No, I'm talking about Manningham. The okay, throw man. to Manningham. Yeah, that that you know he he looks right and then he just right. throws a bomb left, double covered, n- not much room for error. And it was third down, I remember right. Ah, uh, I don't remember that. Okay, well, I, I might have been first or first or second down. Damn, I want to look this up quickly because yeah, I remember it being like a huge huge moment because. Because that game, I remember the Giants were pretty much kind of in control. Patriots offense. Everyone's talking about this Patriots offense and how fear they were, but they really couldn't get going. I think just the Giants, that D line with Tuck. Oh no, it was first and ten. You're right, but still they were backed up. They're like on the five yard line. Yeah, they were they were deep in their territory. It was like yeah. a forty yard. It got them to 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 midfield. They were down seventeen fifteen. So no, I was still massive. Uh, that D line because it was JPP still coming up, but then you saw Tuck and OC was in his prime. That D line was just. Nasty. That was the best year of Pierre Paul's career. Year two of Pierre Paul. Wow, really? S- dude, sixteen and a half sacks. Oh shit! Okay. He was like top five in QB pressures. He blocked the field goal against the Cowboys too. People forget that one. Yeah. He, that was his best. That was his. Oh, I missed that. The a lot of great Super Bowl moments, but I think especially if you're our age, like the Giants have to be up there. Like, yeah, especially that Tyree moment. Every year. Two teams make the Super Bowl, Allen. But how'd they get here? I want you to give me what's your most significant reason for why the San Francisco 49ers are in the Super Bowl right now. Off-season plan? I know it sounds pretty broad, but I just think how they construct their roster just through savvy moves such as, say, Sign Richard Sherman or you know, train for Emmanuel Sanders. You know, obviously the Jimmy G trade. Uh, between that and this drafting, really well, I think they've always had a big plan. But if you want to look at it from a personnel standpoint, I just think the amount of talent they've accumulated up front has set the bar so high. Like they has essentially won them some pretty big games. You look at some of the Green Bay games, look at the Seattle game. 
like just what they've done with Bosa, Ford, Armstead, Buckner. They've both just a ferocious D-line. Kind of reminiscent, we were talking a lot about the Giants on this podcast. I think I haven't seen offensive line this well-rounded since the Giants. That's how good they are. So I think if you want to look at one thing from a personnel standpoint, it has to be what they've built up front. I hear you. I agree with you. The biggest reason why the San Francisco 49ers are in the Super Bowl is because of Bill Belichick. A second-round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think Garoppolo's been that great. I understand. But when you look at what the Falcons got for Mosinu, a second-round pick, right. and how valuable a quarterback is, a second-round pick for a franchise guy who's supposed to be your heir apparent. I know. I think it's really insulting, though, not to mention anything San Francisco-related. Giving it to Bill Belichick, I think it goes far beyond <laughs> okay. the trade. And I expected that, and I have another counter. Okay. Kyle Shanahan. Of course. And also, what about this? What about this, Twitter world? I sound like OJ Simpson. What up, Twitter world? Yeah, I don't know if you want to do that. <laughs> yeah, definitely don't want to do that. All right. A headline from a very, very big outlet. You've heard of Fox. Yeah. Super Bowl debacle should give 49ers second thoughts about Kyle Shanahan. Fox wasn't the only headline. I remember that Monday morning, there were plenty of tweets about that. When will people understand that you don't base your opinion on a coach or a player off one game? How about this one? Like father, not the son. <laughs> Kyle Shanahan introduced as the new head coach for the San Francisco 49ers following the footsteps of his father, the great Mike Shanahan, who won Super Bowls in his stints in Denver. I agree with you. One game shouldn't. And I want to compare it a little bit to Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson was great for 16 games. Well, 15 because he didn't play in that that last regular season game. And then he his team let him down in that first half. I don't think half. he was that bad against Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. His team, but then what was the narrative? Oh, Lamar, you know, 0-2 now in the playoffs as a home favorite, alpha bye week. They were a favorite against the Chargers? That Chargers team was really good. I know. They were, they were, they were like a two-point favorite. So I'm shocked by that. But essentially... You're right. On a neutral, that implies that the Ravens would have been an underdog yeah. if they were to play that game in Houston. Mm-hmm. But same thing. Shanahan, dude, he every quarterback he's touched has turned into gold. Remember, like, C.J. Beathard was... Nick so Mullins cool. was throwing... That's what Nick I'm saying. Mullins, like, yeah. People wonder, like, if Nick Mullins is a quarterback right now, how, how far they could have gone. I'm like, who knows? And think about what he did in Atlanta. I mean, shit, I'm sure you think about it all the time, but, you know... He had guys like Hardy making no uh, Taylor Gabriel Taylor making Hardy plays, made some right? plays, but yeah, Taylor. Hardy made some plays. Rookie year, Austin Hooper. Austin Hooper, yeah. obviously we know about Julio. And Most Sanu, Sanu. Yeah. and then you look at over here, right? You have a rookie in Debo Samuel. Who look? I know he was a, a, a top fifty pick, but he emerges, right? George Kittle. Every running back that they put back there. And then Emmanuel Colin crossover. What about yeah. Bourne? Bro, Bourne scores a touchdown in every primetime game. He has such bad hands, but yeah, they make use of him. And then how about Mozart? Yeah, yeah. Mostert too, yeah. man. It's you got to give this guy credit. Oh, he's phenomenal. Yeah, he's right up there. If there was no reason he would be the reason. I think what Kyle Shan's done, like between you know breaking records, Atlanta, what he did with Matt Schaub in Houston, some stuff he did with RG three in Washington, and that Browns team. I'll never forget Brian Hoyer. They were like what eight and five or something, but then I don't know. They wanted to put in Manziel, and that just completely fell apart. But everything that Shan touches for most part turns to gold. I think people got his case because the first two years in San Fran, he won a combined what seven games. But I give you an out though. Yeah, 
If your quarterback gets hurt, I give you a pass. Right. Especially in that division. MC West is crazy good. Like, that division is going to be something in the next few years. Because I think Arizona's on the rise. Yeah. 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 But but I, I think, God forbid, something happens to Russell Wilson. You can't blame Pete Carroll. No. It just it just happens, right. right? Why was Mike McCarthy able to hold on for all those years? You know, how many seasons did Rodgers break a collarbone or miss six, seven games? Then he didn't. They couldn't win a game, right? Yeah. So I I just think you have an out there. So that's for the Forty ers for the Chiefs. I want to give praise to their defense because last year Spags baby, he's done some good things there. But I just think that especially that secondary, that secondary got torched. A lot, I and you have to give him credit. Tyron Matthew had a real down year in Houston last year. People thought he was on major decline. Comes to Kansas City, he looks like an All Pro. I think just them limiting the explosive plays has been really key because last year they got exposed quite a bit. If their offense wasn't firing on all cylinders, and their offense is still firing pretty well, just I think this year they found a better balance. So I want to give credit to their defense because there's some games, especially that New England game. I know New England was like all oh, their personnel, but they made even Lamar look kind of sketchy this year. So I think Kansas City, some of the moves they made, Frank Clark's now starting to come around. I think, and of course, you want to give credit to Spags. They've done a lot defensively where you have to dip your hats off to them because obviously you know what you're going to get from that offense. But I think defensively is where they've now been able to win You know some of these playoff games convincingly, whether it's Tennessee and then eventually Houston. Yeah, they've had a couple of rough spurts, but for that defense, just force a couple turnovers, get a couple sacks, hold the, te- hold the opponent to under 30, and you're most likely going to win because you know that offense is probably going to put up over 30 because they just have the personnel to do it. Yeah, think of how many... I don't want to call them cast-offs, but how many guys were sort of given away by their team on this defense, right? Honey Badger, Kendall Fuller, right? Comes in the Alex Smith trade. Brashad Breeland. He's been bowling. He's been from Washington to, like, Green Bay. Hitchens, former Cowboy. You know, uh, uh, former Raven. Terrell Suggs is over there, too. Terrell Suggs. That was a late pickup savvy move. And you know who's... Who just makes plays for them? Dude, Fenton. I've seen, yeah, he flashes. It's like number 27, I think. He just, <laughs> he just like makes like, yeah. you know, open field tackles on like third and eight. Right. You know, like it's little things like yeah. that that go a long way. So I agree with you, man. And, and I right. want to give credit also, no one talks about run stuffing defensive line, but Mike Pennell was a huge factor in that Tennessee game. Big reason why Derrick Henry averaged, I think, less than four yards per carry. So it's just certain moves like that. That uh, gives you that you know just that defensive balance because look this defense there's still some holes in it but you know when you have an offense like they have there's there's a lot of margin for error, let's just say so but last year yeah I thought last year that's kind of why they got held back. All right, it should come to no one's surprise. The reason why the Chiefs are here is because of Pat Mahomes. Surprise, surprise! The king is back. Yeah, he did take his throne as the best quarterback in the league because Allen. I have a very hot take. I think Pat Mahomes is the most underrated player in this Super Bowl. Yeah, it's a hot take. All right. Last year, they were number one in points. Completion percentage is essentially the same as it was last year. 26 touchdowns, five interceptions. A thousand less yards. No shit. He missed games because he was hurt. At one point, we thought his career might be altered when his kneecap was hanging off the side of his knee. Yeah, Your knee is not supposed to look like that. And then it took him about... He came back about four weeks later because the Chiefs were 2-2. Two and, two. Mm-hmm. and then 
He got banged up in that New England game. I'll never forget his hand was a problem. His hand was a yeah. problem. Also, they lose that heartbreaker to the Titans, which they had no business losing that game, but that was the ultimate backdoor cover by the Titans as well, to the point where Honey Badger and Mahomes are laughing on the sideline like, damn, how the hell did this happen? That's when Ryan Tannehill really yeah. skyrocketed. Derek Henry had like a 75-yard rushing touchdown that game. His numbers were the same, essentially. And... Well, his completion percentage was the same. His numbers weren't the same, I should say, because, dude, the guy was hurt. It took him a while for him to really get going. And then what happens? We forget that last year he became the best quarterback in the league. 50 touchdowns. Only two other players have done that. Three times that's happened in NFL history. Yeah. All right? Then what happens this year? We get consumed by Lamar Jackson in the AFC. I think you're looking at this from a general public standpoint. Yeah, I, I that's what I'm with, saying. Okay, within yeah. the football world, no one's underrating Pat Mahomes. <clears throat> no, but yeah. but people did forget. Dude, I remember seeing polls, and it's like, who would you rather have, Lamar Jackson or Pat Mahomes? And Lamar Jackson would win these conversations. Recency bias. That's what I'm saying. That's, and but we, that, that's sports. Like, you, don't, you just don't get invested in that. It's just, okay, people want to have their takes. But if you look at the overall talent, I think people know Mahomes is a superior talent. Without question, yeah, I I, th- I think already he's the best quarterback I've ever seen. Ever seen? Okay, he's up there. Yeah, I'm I'm, the, I'm thinking like Prime Rogers. He's right up there with Prime like Prime Rogers. He's uh, he's yeah. up. Th- yeah. yeah, you know what? Yes, I'll, I'll backtrack on Dude, that. Rogers is prime. <sighs> Back shoulder, forty yards to Jordy Nelson. Rogers, his yeah. arm strength. Those two. You want to talk about making video game throws? They make video game throws. I will. I will one hundred percent defer to you on that one. But. Going back to this thing about Pat Mahomes being underrated, I couldn't say nothing about Lamar Jackson because I was a hater because I came out saying how I thought he couldn't throw, right? And then he proved me wrong. Absolutely. I've taken the L on the head many, many times. Many people have. But I think it's a combination of many, many things, right? The stats not being the same. Obviously, it's not going to be the same when he throws 50 touchdowns a year before. It was going to be a regression. Yeah. He could have threw 42 touchdowns and people were like, oh, down here for Pat Mahomes. It's like, yeah, no shit. You know, he did something that only three other people have done. Our society being in the moment, like you said, recency bias, forgetting what happened two weeks ago, let alone what happened last year, the Lamar Jackson shit. And I feel like he almost kind of became underrated. And then in the playoffs, he showed you, dude, eight touchdowns he threw. Yeah, Houston game was ridiculous. Travis Kelsey had 10 catches for like a buck 30 and three touchdowns against the Texans and was not the best player on the field. <laughs> Think about that. Because we're going to get into our props. I guess we could get into the props right now. And Pat Mahomes is the overwhelming favorite for MVP. He's essentially a pick em. $100 wins you $100. And it's like, what does a Chiefs player have to do to take that from him? Mahomes probably have to turn it over at least twice you have to have like somewhat of a sh- sketchy game because it's hard for skilled players like jacoby jones i remember in that 49ers Ravens super bowl i think he had like 250 total yards yet they still gave it to flacco and it's just like what more can the guy do he housed the kick return too yeah and it's just like what more can you do like, i think flacco had a decent game but the fact that he won over jacoby jones people are still surprised by that and like, when people think that super bowl they think of jacoby jones not joe flacco but so I think, yeah, of course, they're going to care to quarterbacks. But I don't know if, if Mahomes have to make a couple mistakes. Otherwise, it's probably his. But I don't know when it comes to Super Bowl MVPs because it's just whoever has the most, I think, electrifying plays. Because we've seen guys before. We mentioned Dexter Jackson, Malcolm Smith in that Seahawks-Broncos game. So 
It needs to be a game-changing play when the game really yeah. is still up for grabs. But if a quarterback's consistently playing well, he's most likely going to win it because he's on a winning team. So, Start us off. We we have, in this game, we're calling it $1,000 props. We have $1,000. We could pick three props. Lead us off. What would you... And, you know, if you want to get wild and put it all on one prop, you're more than welcome No, to. I got three props. But if you want to scatter a little bit, you know, go ahead and scatter. I got Travis Kelsey over 77 and a half yards. Ooh. I think that's a lock. So you like, like, the actual player props. You- I got two player props and one fun one. That's how I'm balancing oh, Okay, it. okay. So I looked at that. I was like, man, Kelsey against that. San Fran quietly gives up a lot of yards to tight ends. So between that and Kelsey, I still believe he's the best tight end in the league. You could use him in a variety of different ways. Andy Reid will get the ball in his hands. I think Kelsey's definitely locked for over 77 yards. Hmm. I like that one. And you know, a lot of people don't bet on those kind of props because... I feel like those are the best ones. Yeah, but the reason why is you got to understand that the Super Bowl is the biggest sporting event in the country. Everyone has Super Bowl boxes. Everyone gambles on this one. There's an there's so much money wagered on the Super Bowl that it could probably help get the country out of debt. Yeah. It's it's <laughs> it's, a it's a lot. I know I'm reaching, but yeah. it's a lot. And what happens is you get a lot of people that you never in your wildest imagination thought that they would be interested in gambling, but they come out like, hey, who, who's going to score the first touchdown or what's going to be the coin toss and whatnot? But you got to remember. The coin toss is so weird. I remember seeing that. It's, it's, it's a weird bet, but it's an official bet that you can make at a sports book. And the reason why is because props need to be confirmed. And what that means is. In the past, you'll see how many times is Giselle going to appear on the screen over under one and a half. And it's like, well, what justifies her being on the screen? Is her name popping up as a lower third? Is her being completely centered? Is it Robert Kraft with all the other families? And Giselle's, you know, 65% of her body is showing, you know, like and the other half is, is cut out of the screen. So what applies to her being on the screen? So those cannot be fact-checked, cannot be confirmed by sports books. Whereas a coin toss, whereas a prop like Travis Kelsey over 77 and a half, you said? Yes. You could check the box and be like, oh, you know what? He had 110 yards. It's it went over. Yeah. So that's something very important to remember when you're looking at these props. They need to be confirmed. With all that being said, how much are you putting on that one? Because like, we're working with 1,000 here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me 700. 700? What the hell? Okay. I really well, feel confident with that. So here's the thing, right? These Those bets are better bets because you really have 50-50 chances, mm-hmm. right? Where the biggest sucker bets are Super Bowl MVPs, uh, first touchdown, because there's only one outcome. And there's so many different other variables that go into that. Where this one, it's is he going to go over or under? So you have a 50-50 I like split. doing yards and s- specific statistics. I think you have a yes, real good gauge you could, of it. Yes, you could guess. You could get a yeah. significant edge. But also, people don't like to bet those because that's minus 115. So you got to put up $115 to win 100. Yeah, this is your wheelhouse. Yeah, <laughs> people, well, people want to bet. People want to bet. If I'm betting, I'm, get, I'm hiring someone. That, I'm hiring you to help me out. <laughs> yeah, I'm free of charge. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. One of the best doing it. But. People really want oh Nicole Hardman fifty five to one for 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 MVP. That's such a reach. Yeah. But I'm saying they yeah. like that because it's like oh one dollar wins me fifty five. Uh, I much rather do yeah. that. So always remember when you're looking at props, the value lies in the props that you have to lay a little bit. Listen to Lamb. That's all I'm saying. I'm just giving you statistics and other stuff. Okay, 
for me, you, getting wild. Okay. I, I'm talking about super wild. The opening kickoff to the game being returned for a touchdown is 80 to 1 odds. $1 wins you 80. Now, you're probably saying, dude, it's going to be a touchback. Most likely, right? Because a lot of the balls get kicked into the end yeah. zone. All right. Miko Hardman. Uh, I'm putting two together. This is one prop, but it, it's two. Miko Hardman, first touchdown score for the for the game, 20 to 1. He did against the Chargers. He is their returner. He was a pro bowler. And then it wasn't because of the fan vote. It was like, no, this guy is the actual pro bowler. So we put a nice hundy on 80 to 1 odds that the opening kickoff is going to be a touchdown. And then we also put another 100 on Miko Hardman to be the first touchdown scorer. Okay. And if that happens, you're looking at a payout of about $10,000, probably hammered by the time the extra point is kicked in that sequence. Okay. <laughs> this is so about this is a very wild one. Yeah. This is very very wild. Okay. Give me another. Chiefs over two and a half sacks. Jimmy G is known for holding the ball long. That offense line is kind of sketchy. Kyle Shan's system kind of bails him out. I think with Chris Jones, Terrell Suggs, Frank Clark, that and Jimmy G's tendency to hold the ball for too long. I think you're gonna see the Chiefs get like three or four sacks in this one. Plus, Spags in the Super Bowl. We gotta take that into account. Yeah, and what about what about the idea of maybe the um the the Chiefs playing with a lead? Oh, that helps big time too. Like I I expect Jimmy I I wonder how many pass attempts if, is there a prop bet for Jimmy G. Like is it twenty two? Yeah. I think I think he's gonna probably throw thirty times this game. Ready for this one? Okay. Minus three hundred. Well, this is a little bit of juice. $300 wins you $100. Now, I've already bet 200 of it. I'm going to put $300 to win $100. How many songs will be performed in Spanish during the halftime show? Over, I've seen under, this one. One and a half. I am saying over. It's Shakira. It's J-Lo. Great girls. Also, they're in Miami. Yeah. It's like the Spanish capital I like that's of a the lock. US. I don't want to go that one. Yeah. That's a lock, baby. Yeah. Minus 300. They're definitely going to come out and sing at least two songs in Spanish. Yeah. Get the crowd to. going. They yeah. have to, bro. It's the Latino capital of the States. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Nice 300 spot. So now I have $500 left and I have one more bet. Okay. So I, I I have a halftime show one as well. Oh, okay. I, I saved them for last. Appearance from Mr. 305 himself. I don't know what the odds are, but I guarantee you Pitbull will make an appearance on the halftime show. That's my fun one. Wow. Is that is that on here? It is on there. I forgot what the odds are, but I think how can you not have Mr. 305 there? Wow, Gerald PK be shown during the halftime. Yeah, they're not showing PK. Yeah, they're not. No one's gonna know who PK is, <laughs> like, man. Just like a handful. Thirty-three-year-old Barcelona center back. Oh my god! They, minus, I see a rod, by the way. Yeah, minus four eighty. Minus four eighty pitbull to make an appearance. Think, so it's I, essentially a lot. Yeah, yeah, I think that it's gonna happen. Interesting, dude. I think, I think they're gonna show a rod. Fox is calling the game. He's a Fox a Fox broadcaster. Yeah. Plus 145? You want to get wild? It's not bad. I'm just talking about halftime show. I don't know if they're going to show them during the halftime show. Mm. They might show them during the game. Okay, I have one more. My last one. And for me, I'm going to go with Gatorade color. Oh, this is tricky. This is very tricky. But 
I'm gonna go with red plus three fifty. Okay. Bo- both teams so wear red. Basically, yeah. Well, just maybe. I like blue as the color. Like, that's my favorite blue Gatorade. Blue is <laughs> nine to one. Wow. But red, you think with the colors? Yeah, yeah. Andy reads very specific when it comes to his food and drink choices. So, all right, l- look at. Let's take a look. Blue, yellow, none. Is that orange, orange, blue, yeah. orange, none. Purple, orange, orange, yellow. Dude, we haven't had red in so long. Oh man. Yellow, clear, 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 none, purple, none, yellow. That's from I feel like Super yellow Bowl. and orange are most popular. And maybe blue. Wow. Purple is the favorite at minus one twenty. Oh man. This would be dope if we knew someone with the Chiefs and the Niners that make the Gatorade. Be like, hey, what's up, man? Here's a nice Hundy. Okay, we got no management teams now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like just send, give us help us, man. Help us out. Yeah. Let's get, get a little crazy. All right, cool. So, guys, let us know at Veterans Minimal. What are some of your favorite props to bet on in this Super Bowl? Have you ever like done props like for real, for real? Or? Maybe once. This yeah. was years ago. At this point, I'm just trying to enjoy the game. <laughs> Dude, the yeah. Falcons Patriots Super Bowl. Joe, oh, that I definitely know. <laughs> yo, J- Joey made like fifteen hundred dollars by halftime. He I had he had Freeman first touchdown score. He hit the coin toss. He hit the anthem. He had mad shit. He was crushing. It. I was staying next to him most of the entire game. I don't remember him celebrating like this. He was like, yeah, the kid has money. That's oh. why. But he was like six of eight on props. I don't remember him getting hyped up about this. Oh, oh man, my God. gotta love it. Gotta love it. All right, it's time. We've waited all year for this one. The Super Bowl, fifty four in South Beach, three oh five. Niners, Chiefs, guys, there are some boxes available in the Patreon contest. $10 gets you a box. There's uh, merch bundles. There's Amazon gift cards. There's custom merch. Get in there. The money is going to a good cause. We appreciate it. They're starting to fill up. We got about 15 spots left, I'd like to say. So the link is in the bio of all the social medias. The link is in the description of the podcast and whatnot. And I appreciate it. But... Alan, we're here. Super Bowl. I have a couple of things. I actually prepared notes for this one, Alan. You know, it's the granddaddy of them all. This is the WrestleMania of of uh, football. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> what more can you say? What more can you say? Yeah. All right. I just want to mention one thing for you because I've been very adamant throughout my years. As I've gotten older, I've been able to understand salary caps. I've been un- able to understand uh, the... Um, roster construction and what happens when you pay a quarterback right so having a quarterback on a rookie contract is probably the biggest luxury you can have in professional sports thoughts absolutely since 2011 when the rookie weight scale was introduced five of the 10 nfc teams that have made the super bowl have a quarterback that's under this criteria can you name them golf that's one Russ, twice. So that's three. I'll give you a hint. Well, do we count Philly? That was going to be my hint, that the quarterback was under the roster but did not play. So that's Philly totally bolstered that roster. Um, And the last one. Ooh, I might blank on this one. I'm trying to remember. Well. I'm I'm thinking Seattle. Stay on that coast. Wow, Kaepernick? Kaepernick. Okay, all right. So Kaepernick with the Niners, Russ twice with the Seahawks, the Eagles with Carson Wentz, Asterix, of course, like we said, and then Rams. Now, welcome the first to do it on the AFC side, Sir Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. So it goes to show you, when you have a rookie quarterback, let's he do a lot. 
You could pay Frank Clark eighteen million a year. Sammy Sam Watkins. <laughs> Did you see the report? He said that he might sit out next year. Just to just to chill. Hey, Tubman Smith did it. Sammy Watkins. He we Jaguars. <laughs> Sammy Watkins chilled this year. You, he you, have, you have disdain for Sam Watkins. I, I like Sammy Watkins. Bro, he, listen, by all means, get your money. Like what we said at the yeah, beginning of the podcast. I'm not going to be critical of it. I don't know how he can make $15 million per year. I never looked at Sammy Watkins. was like, you know what? When He's you're a former first-round pick, you get that. Same as Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks? When you're a former first-round pick. And then pick, you know what happens? We get fucked. Me and you get fucked because Julio's like, yo, these guys are getting paid. I'm going to hold out. You know what I'm saying? And then Odell's like, yo, these guys get paid. I want 20. And it's like, oh, man, if Sammy Watkins is making 15, same draft class, like, yeah, he should be getting more. So that's why I don't like Sammy Watkins. Uh, well, I put him more on the organization. Yeah. It's not like the guy's like not making any outlandish comments. Like he's not doing anything bad in the community or anything. So that's why you know players got to get paid, but. I forgot what were what were we mentioning beforehand? The the rookie the rookie deals oh, with the yeah, quarterbacks. Yeah. Uh, but you have to have the right organization. Yeah, right, you have right, the right, right infrastructure. So like look at the Jets right now. I'm not too optimistic that they're gonna be able to use Giants? It. This guy named David Gelman, I don't really believe in him. Good night. <laughs> All right. Chiefs offense ranked sixth, 49ers ranked seventh, Chiefs defense twenty second, forty ers ranked first. Huge gap in QB grade between Mahomes at 90.6 and Jimmy G at 7.8. 49ers lead the league in sacks despite blitzing the least. Very reminiscent of those Giants teams. Hell of a lot more talent across the board where the Giants really made their money at the front. Though, you know what? The secondary was a little underrated, underappreciated. But regardless, they can rush with four. And you have seven guys dropping into to coverage, I'm leading this off with my X factor being that front four for the Niners because Pat Mahomes, let's not forget, this is a dude who likes to create. He is mobile. He is a guy who likes to twirl around, dance around back there, try to buy time. Got a lot of burners that could eventually, you can't guard Tyreek Hill for eight Mississippi. He's going to get open on you. Sammy Watkins, same things. Like how many times have we seen this dude Fucking roll out to his right and then just gun it 50 yards to a wide open guy because eventually you just can't contain him. So I think that front four for the Niners is super key because can you keep him in the pocket? Do you want to keep him in the pocket? Are you going to contain him? Mm-hmm. So that front How four. How you going to rotate too? Yeah, because you can't burn those guys out, you know, mm-hmm. and they have, we mentioned, the highest sack rate. Shout out to our guy, Taron, with the stats over at PFF. But I think that front four, and I know I know, I hate giving the cliche, like, you know, in the trenches, but, man, it's so significant in this matchup. When you have this high-powered offense coming in to the Super Bowl, and they're literally clicking on all cylinders. Mm-hmm. So I think that front four for San Francisco for me is the biggest X factor in this game. Is there any specific player matchup you're looking at? Because you know, obviously D Ford revenge factor. We got D Ford revenge factor. Uh, Frank Clark has been very outspoken about how you know I didn't line up. You, you talked about not having much. Mm-hmm. Media day, but there's been some Frank Clark. Well, Frank Clark's been vocal. He was talking about Derrick Henry is not that difficult to tackle. Yeah, which, yeah. When did he become a WWE promo guy? I don't know. I love it though. Yeah, he's always been good. Like he's been a good player, but the, like the Seattle team kind of mellowed out once Sherman left and Earl Thomas. Right. So, right. No, but you know, um, man, Nick Bosa going up against Schwartz. 
I think that could be. Well, something. they rotate. It, they yeah, he's not just on yeah. one side. Yeah, of I'm it. looking to see how they're going to exploit Eric Fisher. Eric Fisher has always been pretty below average to me. That left tackle. You remember James Harrison kind of abused him in that uh, Chiefs Steelers game from a couple years ago. Like he's always been someone who's a high first round pick, but he hasn't been quite good. Like the Chiefs offensive line in general, like they're they don't great particularly. Neither of these offensive lines, they're good, but they don't have any major. Like Schwartz is the best right tackle in the league, but other than him. And Joe Staley's still solid, but a lot both these teams, they kind of just ride on their scheme. Both Andy Reid and Kyle Shan know I get their quarterbacks, you know, high percentage looks in a short amount of time. Or in Mahomes' case, knows that create as structure plays like add nothing. What do you got for an X Factor? What are you looking for in this game? You talked about the front four, I think the secondary, because this is a bit of a tricky match for him. You look at Sherman, Weatherspoon, Mosley, these are tall physical corners. They're not particular speedsters. And what is Kansas City most known for? Their speed. Hill, Watkins, Hardman. Marcus Robinson, I always think, is the next factor because he's someone, okay, he might only get three or four targets, but he could turn that into 65, 70 yards. He is someone that's very explosive. So I think San Fran's secondary, as good as they've played this year, and they're I think they play actually most cover three in the league. They're known for playing heavy cover three defense. I'm, just, I'm concerned how they're going to cope with Chiefs speed because that's what stands out when you watch Kansas City besides Mahomes what stands out is they're just so explosive on the outside so I'm looking at their corn specifically of course you know we talked about Kelsey earlier he's going to be he's going to be someone you have to obviously take account for he's going to create mismatches but I'm looking at the outside how sure I'm going to cope with Tyreek Hill what will someone like Weatherspoon who got benched essentially after the first drive is he going to see significant snaps or are we going to see more of uh, Mosley who's looked good in spurts this year so think that's second there how they hold up because you know they're going to be tested because i think one thing you have to take account Andy reed's not going to hold back i think they're going to throw as much as possible he's not going to be phased one bit if anything they're going to try to throw more to get that front four exhausted so i don't think they're going to go to any major run even though they're not a run first team to begin with but i don't think they're going to be afraid one bit to throw the ball as much as possible i think they want to get that San friend front four tired and then just try to target that second there Four of Travis Kelsey's five highest-graded games were against primarily cover three, quote-unquote, Seattle scheme defenses. 49ers play cover three at a top-five rate, so you were pretty accurate about that. Mm-hmm. Got to be nice for that prop that you were talking about, too, hey, brother, brother. Yeah. We've seen Garoppolo, though, especially at Seattle game on Monday night. Took a lot of unnecessary sacks, and you know, if you want to take turnovers as well. Uh, one thing I was listening to Warren Sharp earlier this week, pretty close Love to Warren that. Sharp, man. On third down... Two of the highest sack rates this year, San Francisco one, Kansas City two. So third down, I think everyone talks about Kansas City wanting to avoid third and long because what San Fran could do. I still think you could look at what Spags, baby. Yeah. Especially with such a honey badger. Yeah. So that's just that's some that's just one of those playmakers you have there that, you know, he could destroy a play in a heartbeat. You know, I do like the odds for like a Nick Bosa to win MVP. It's a good sleeper. And I also he gets like two and a half sacks and a forced fumble. Two, yeah, like it's Von, all about statistics. Yeah, man. Von, but it's also about making the impactful play too. Yeah, like Malcolm Smith, right? He had the pick six when it was what seven zero eight zero. Yeah, because no, it was a safety. Yeah, it was a, but it was a, it was a one score game, and that's a game changing play too. Like, dude, I thought if the Falcons were gonna win that Super Bowl, you know who I thought should have been MVP? The Great corner. Jarrett. No, the corner. Oh, Robert Alford? Yeah. yeah, the pick six. Great Jarrett, three sacks. Jared, yeah, yeah. He, he balled he, out. He was eating. Yeah. But I I also like the Honey Badger as like a, a super long shot for MVP. Because he's someone that's always around the ball. 70 to one odds. You know, $1 wins you $70. Just because he's always around the ball. 
All it takes is one play. And Garoppolo man. puts the ball in harm's way, especially in the middle of the field. All it takes is a 17-14 game. Kansas City's up in the fourth quarter. People would be furious if that's the score in the fourth quarter because everyone's hammering the over, which I'm a little concerned about. The, the line has moved two points, which is a significant line change. Also, it's Miami. We don't know if it's going to rain and shit. True. It's always out of control. That's what happened with Chicago and Indianapolis. Yeah. But also, it's a different stadium, though. So I got uh, to mention that, how it's okay. the retractable uh, roof at, uh, I believe it's the Hard Rock Stadium. Okay. Um, but yeah, you know, like all it takes is, you know, 28, 24 and the Niners are driving and, you know, to ball pick six by honey badger and he's had eight tackles. So, you know, and then obviously Mahomes needs to, to be having a 250 yard, two touchdown, like a lot of things need to be factored into it. But I do, um, uh, I do like that. Um, as like a long shot. So biggest mismatch to watch. I'm looking at, once again, the trenches, but on the other side, I think Chris Jones could have a monster game. Mm. San Francisco lost Winston Richburg, who you obviously watched. boy. It. Yeah. And even though Ben Garland, who was on the Falcons Super Bowl team, someone that actually played O-line and D-line for him, he was like this guy that had to oh, fill shit. in for nose tackle. So he's like one of Kyle Shan's guys. It's him and uh, this guy, Mike Person. Both guys actually played for Land. Person got cut after. He got cut right before the Super Bowl run. So, But they're both there. And then they got Tomlinson, who was a flop in Detroit, and now he just really good fit in his own blocking scheme. The offensive lineman, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they're good in the run game because the Shannon system zone blocking is a lot of pre-stamp motion. There's just he's so creative in how they set up the run, especially they attack the edge a lot, which you saw a lot against Green Bay. But when it comes to passing, I think Chris Jones can abuse any of these guys. And I've seen especially Garland. I'll never forget. It was Falcons, Rams. Like that first half, Aaron Donald had like 11 pressures, and most of it came off from on Ben Garland's side. And whether it's him or Tomlinson, I think Chris Jones is one of the best interior pass rushers in league, and I think he could do serious damage. It's either this. I, I also, I, I still think this is the biggest mismatch, but I also want to take into consideration that I think George Kittle, if he's if Daniel Sorensen's covering him, that's a problem waiting to happen. I was, I was going to mention Kittle okay. against this, the, this team because, again, you, I know I mentioned a lot of names, and I'm not going to be the guy to be like, oh, I called that. But I'm saying I, I also like Kittle as a potential MVP. Do you know that? Do you know how many Super Bowl MVPs have been tight ends in NFL history? I'd say none. Zero, yeah. Yeah. And now you have the two best tight ends of the last three years. Will Kittle get the targets? That's the question. That's the question. But they got to they got to put block into perspective. You got to watch him block. Yeah, he no, is, I know, I know. He was. Pushing Everson Griffin, Daniel Hunter, 10 yards downfield. Yeah. But I also think with Kittle, he's kind of been – they haven't needed him to go out and get eight catches for one They've thrown the ball, what, 24 times? <laughs> right, right, right. But you're right about the blocking. But I do think that this might be a game where he's going to have to be relied on more. And then it goes back to my Honey Badger call, how, you know, Honey Badger, Sorensen, who's Sorensen, man – he made two plays in that Texans game where he was – I would have gave him a game ball. He's a liability, though. No, I understand. Yeah. But he's a guy that, you know, he seems to make he's, plays. He's only playing because uh, Thornhill is out for the he year. He's out, yeah. And he was, that was a really good one-two punch between him and, and Lewis, Honey Badger. Louis Riddick there. shot to him. He called that. He's like, watch out for him. He's going to be a star. Yeah. So. so, I think Kittle, man, going up against th- this team, both from running, like you said, the zone run scheme – with Mostert running wild also. Mostert has the highest percentage of five-yard carries in the league. And he's, he's one of those, like, next-gen stats. But, man, Kittle. it It's crazy how – look at look at the tight end position the last couple of years, man. Ertz Gronk in the Super Bowl. 
right? You had Olsen in a Super Bowl. You have, last year you had Gronk again. This year you have the two best tight ends. Like, the momentum has really, it's become a real thing now that the tight end position is so key to teams' offensive successes. Mm -hmm. And, shit, Kelsey and Kittle might be in my top 10 of non-quarterbacks, what they mean to their offenses. Kittle, I think, a lot more because there's so much more talent on Kansas City. Shit, we haven't even mentioned Damian Williams, who I think is like super flying under the radar. Yeah, I just, it's so hard to run the ball against right. Fred. But also, you know, you get him go on screens. Yeah. yeah, but also they have some guys that could cover backs out the back. Yeah, Alexander Warner. And Warner, yeah, too. Yeah. So that's my mismatch. All right. The 49ers will win this game, Allen, because time possession. They're going to run the ball, whether it's 20, 25 times. I think they're going to need to put together long eight, ten play drives. I don't think if that defense is on the field for more than 30 minutes, that's going to be a problem. I just don't think any defense could succeed if Mahomes on the field for that uh, long periods, you know, when it comes to putting together drives. So I think they're going to have to run the ball effectively. Jimmy G's not going to, I don't think he has much orange fair. He cannot turn the ball over. I don't think he could be a game manager. But at the same time, I don't think he's someone that if he throws two interceptions, this game could get two, three scores. That's that's just that's how much I worry about um, Kansas State's offense. So I think if if San Francisco wins, it's going to come down to controlling time possession, run the ball, and you know obviously you're going to create pressure if they get two or three sacks. That'll be it. But look, if they just generate pressure and just get Mahomes off rhythm, that's just as much as a win. They don't need a necessarily sack. So, but I think if they're going to win, it starts with running the ball, kind of what they're doing against Green Bay, but obviously not as extreme because I don't see I don't see them abusing Kansas State like they abuse Green Bay. The 49ers will win this game if Garoppolo does not throw the ball more than 20 times. Good luck. Might turn into a shootout. Might. They might. Dude, Kansas City might go in there and just nothing changes. You know, Pat Mahomes has never lost a top five defense. Wow. Five and zero in his career. No, I just don't think there's any way possible. Jimmy G's throwing less than 20 pads. I think he's going to throw close to 30, 35. Oh shit. Oh, okay. No, that's Damn, what I'm no, saying. That's, that I, might I be a problem. Then. I, I think he's going to have to throw the ball on this game. Interesting. Yeah. But that doesn't like, doesn't necessarily mean they're going to lose. It's just, if they're playing with the lead, that helps. Cause then they could use a lot more play action. Let me ask yeah. you something. If we didn't see him play in that Saints game the way he did, would you feel different about this matchup? Because I do feel as if I've seen him perform in a hostile environment in the Superdome. That's one game, though, man. No, I know, but that means a lot to me. Okay. <laughs> uh, look, I guess it's a big spot. No one's, but don't get me wrong. It, it's a, it was a huge moment for him. And he went toe-to-toe with Breeze. But there's been so many other games this year I've been kind of unimpressed. The Seattle game's underwhelming. The Rams games haven't really stood out too much. Obviously, playoffs he hasn't had. It's just there's so many games to your San Fran where he hasn't been put in that position to perform. But when he's had to, all right, the Ravens game was kind of you know wet. But I even remember like the Steelers game early in the year. Like, what they have like five turnovers. I just I I just see him put the ball in harm's way too often for a quarterback that supposedly has high football IQ. Someone that has really knows how to read defenses. Like he throws the ball a lot to linebackers, and I just think that is a major concern. So. Yeah, look, the Saints game was a big moment, but just one game. I can't base it fully off that. All right, I was just, yeah. I was just wondering, just wondering. All right, the Kansas City Chiefs win this game because they produce at least three plays over twenty-five yards through the air, and I think if 
probably I think winning a turnover battle is going to be big for him. I think if they if they want to because can't look San Francisco is going to try to run the ball. There's no denying that. So if they put them in third and long situations, force a turnover to I think putting Jimmy G in third and long is going to be huge in this game because that's mm-hmm. where Spags get creative and that's where we really force him to throw it to the outside. Let's see if he could you know test those corners. So I think if Kansas City they win this game, it comes down to produce a couple of explosive plays, which they do practically every week and. Probably just, I would say, third down conversion rate. Let's see what they can do on third down. If they could hold San Francisco to like under 40%, they'll probably win this one. Yeah. No, I I, I think they're going to win this game, though, because Pat Mahomes is the next guy up. And I think that he is playing at a level right now that not many guys have gotten to. And all his weapons are healthy. I read a report that the Chiefs have not one guy on the injury report that opened the season up for them. That's big, man. Talk about timing. Talk about timing. Yeah. I remember I remember the Super Bowl when the Giants played the Patriots, the second one in Indianapolis, that the Giants activated all but one player, and it was like a backup left guard from the 53-man roster that they came into the year with. Man. So you have all your pieces at your disposal. Because you never know what players are injured going to Super Bowl. Like I'll never forget Alex I, Alex Mack played with a broken fibula in the Super Bowl. Now look, I, I know I know we talked about the dude Thornwell, right? Yeah. But like he's missed, he's missed, oh, he's yeah, missed time, but, you know. So I want I want to definitely reference that where this isn't a they're not missing anyone that got hurt in the Texans or the Titans game right. was what I was really. Well, San Francisco, they don't know about Tevin Coleman's status. Coleman's still a difference maker. I know yeah. most starts taking a little, but still Coleman's still someone that you could use, especially in the passing game. So if he doesn't play, that's one less playmaker, which definitely hurts in a game like this where you're gonna have to put points. What's your official prediction for the Super Bowl? And give me an MVP also. Going Chiefs 34-27. Got to give it to Pat Mahomes. Pat Mahomes. Andy Reid off a bye. Essentially a bye. King Andy Reid. Yeah, 21-5 and five straight up. 72% against the spread. Which is monumental. Um, I'm going to go 31-28 Kansas City. And I'm also going to go with Pat Mahomes. But I do think that this game, it's going to come down to the wire. I think I could see San Fran being up and then Mahomes comes back. And, that would be something. And then it's like a wrap. Because you know? Russ almost did it week 17. Yeah. Yeah. Which was hey, dude, spot. think about that, man. Football is so awesome, bro. Like. What happens if Hollister scores that touchdown there? The entire makeup of the NFC is completely different. San Fran have travel starting Philly. Starting in Philly, yeah. uh, the Saints would be the one seed. I think Packers still. Yeah, because the Packers had the two seed and Saints had the three seed. You're right. Yeah, but Minnesota would have to play Seattle. That would no. That would have been a one weird match. <laughs> Any game with Seattle is weird, but then you put the Vikings in there. But yeah, it would have been a lot different. Because asking a team to win three road games unless you're the New York Giants, I'm giving too much love to the damn New York Giants. Ha! But Eli uh, Manning, five wins on the road, baby. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, it w- it, that would have been something. It just, but yeah, a huge comeback against supposedly number one defense has been so vaunted this year for Mahomes. If he did in that spot, would be crazy. Yeah, it would be legendary. So I, it's just I think at this point, Pat Mahomes' reputation it can't 
it's there. Like it can't be harmed. Like I think everyone knows it's established. Yeah, like I, I think even if he loses this game, it's just like okay, he'll be back the next five, seven years, whatever. Like I think everyone knows him and Lamar, and if you, if Houston, Daniel Jones. I was gonna say Deshaun. (laughs) Yo, you know Pat Mahomes in in two seasons, if you account for playoffs, also has over eighty touchdown passes. That's absurd, bro. It's video game. I, I think it's over 85. Like, I don't know how many he had in the playoffs last year, but he's had eight and then 26 and eight and and, and 50. Look, if he gets it's a $200 million contract, he's deserved every penny. Blank check guy. Yeah. Blank checker. If I got to see stuff with Jared Goff, like, I'm tired of seeing Jared Goff's contract. I want Jared Goff could get paid. Pat Mahomes could get paid double that. If I'm, if I'm the Hunt family, this is what I'm doing. I'm opening up the checkbook. I'm just putting the X. I'm being like, yo, whatever you want, whatever you want, you want, you want, you want ownership, you want like one percent. I'll give it to you. Name like the stadium after you. Yeah, oh, Arrowhead's it's, a great name though. I, they don't ever give her Arrowhead. Nah, Arrowhead is where it's at. All right, Alan. Uh, as we wrap up our football coverage, we'll be back Monday with a recap, kind of putting the NFL to bed. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for helping out. With the program. This isn't goodbye for Alan. Alan's going to be sticking around. It'll be popping up. We mm-hmm. are working on a monster project for the Patreon. Um, really, really excited for that. We've kind of been uh, game planning, brainstorming throughout. Shout out to the guys behind the scenes that are working on the show as well. I appreciate you all. All of you that listen, thank you so much. This is year five of our football coverage. This is four and a half years of doing Veterans Minimum. And the show is continuing to grow. And it means a lot to me because I put a lot of time and effort into into this. Alan could see my room. It is upside down. And the Facts. next next football season, I'm putting this out in the atmosphere and getting the good vibes. We're going to be in an actual studio. I'm, I'm, I'm working on putting the money from the Patreon. For those of you guys that support the show, that money is being put to new microphones, new cameras. If it could help pay the rent for the, for the studio, that's where it's going to because I think – Having a professional setup, people really like this backdrop in the background. It brings a different vibe to it. So, um, working on some fun stuff, you know, going to be giving you guys interviews, going to be giving you guys NBA stuff too. You know, MP, MP and I are in the talks of maybe doing some stuff uh, bi-weekly also. Going to be having some guys that really fuck with the NBA coming on. We have a couple of interviews, uh, MMA stuff just throughout. So, I just wanted to really say thank you to everyone that listens um, because it's been a very interesting and a hell of a ride for this season in particular as years passed, you know? So it, it meant a lot to me that, you know, Blue Wire came along and they're helping out with the brand and are putting some money in our pockets as well, too. Um, it's nice that the show is growing and growing. And I'm sorry if I'm rambling, but it's just very sincere on my end. So. Thank you all for listening at the lamb shows where you can find me at veterans minimum is where you can find everything for this show. VMFC stuff. It's a weekly YouTube series. Alex is crushing it. My guy, Alex Perez, who does Shout the graphics. Yeah. And we're bringing that back. Come Euro cup. You know, the Euro cup is coming around. So we're going to be doing some VMFC stuff. I got some guests lined up as well. I got to tell Alan about to get them nice and horny and soaked, but also uh, check that stuff out on the YouTube. There's a there's a Super Bowl props video up on the YouTube channel as well. You can see clips from the episode on the YouTube channel as well. Uh, all things veterans minimum. Just look it up. And I'm very excited for this off season because off season is where we can buckle down and really start to brainstorm and put some more things together. I've said enough. 
I'm going to shut the fuck up. Alan, where can they find you? Alan underscore Sturk. That's A-double-L-E-N underscore S-T-R-K. Anything else you need to plug? No, that's it for now. Uh, definitely going to be starting Brainstorm. And we, we should mention March is going to be crazy for agency. And March Mass, I'm a huge college basketball guy. So I uh, actually... We've been doing a bit over last year. Me and Boss did it, but I remember we've done a couple of like preview shows ahead of time. So yeah, we're gonna go deep into March Madness here because college basketball. I am an NBA guy, but I'm not gonna be here. Like I'm a casual at this point. I want to be just blabbering for 45 minutes. You know, one thing that I think very minimum takes pride on is that for bringing people on, we're gonna bring you substance. So that's why I'm. We'll take a little bit of a backseat now when it comes to like basketball coverage. But you know, we want to get guys like Impion, who's not only gonna bring you substance, it's gonna be entertaining as well. Guys that are really passionate, yeah, yeah, watching. Because yeah. I feel like with NBA, you gotta be watching. <clears throat> you have to. You have to. There's a lot of games going on and whatnot. And you're right that you if if we bring someone on, just know that they're bringing a level of expertise. Whether it's you know maybe. Maybe I bring Dylan on to talk hockey. Mm-hmm. Maybe I bring this person on to talk NBA, an MMA guy. Maybe yeah. you talk, you know, someone just hustles and motivates. You gotta, too, be, you you know? gotta be knowledgeable. You gotta be informed, and you, you gotta bring us some entertainment as well. Have a little juice. Have a yeah. little sauce. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. All so, right, guys. Enjoy. Go. Check out all the stuff. You know where to find it. Enjoy a damn Super Bowl, man. I'm telling you, this, probably since Atlanta, New England, I haven't been this excited for Super Bowl. I know New England, Atlanta. Okay, obviously I had to be excited for that, but I don't know why I wasn't really that excited for New England against the Rams and our Patriots Eagles is kind of cool but something about this too it just feels fresh like it just feels really something new I just I like that there's now kind of a change in the guard and I think both these teams are incredibly likable later everybody it's happening daily we're being conned by the institutions we used to trust The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com